Baptist Church, Charlotte. Good evening. Hope you're having a really good evening. It was wonderful today. Uh, nice balmy 80 degrees or something like that. Uh, in fact, it's still 70 degrees outside, it says on my watch. Um, mm. So praise the Lord, everybody. I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you for making yourself available and teaching last week. I heard it was wonderful. Uh, I am yet to review uh, the podcast, but I will, I promise. And um, I got some really good feedback. Thank you for that, my brother. Appreciate it. All right. So our, our, our text is taken tonight uh, from Matthew 19. Matthew 19, um, verses 16 to 22. Um, here we read, the Bible tells us a story of a rich young man. And, and another, in the King James Version, it calls him a ruler, the rich young ruler. Uh, starting from verse 16, the Bible says, This young man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good, God. If you would enter eternal life, you must keep the commandments. And he said to Jesus, so which ones? And Jesus said to him, well, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie or bear false witness against your neighbor. Then honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, to him, all these I have done since I was young. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, the Bible says, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And I read a few verses down in verse 23. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with great difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says again, ah, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. I want to ask you guys a question. I mean, honestly, give me a transparent and honest answer. And no one will judge you. Would you tell me? Turn your cameras on. Would you tell me in the last year or so, have you had a situation that have gone from bad to worse, no matter how hard you tried or no matter how hard you prayed? And maybe at times you, you thought maybe the Lord is not willing to deliver me from this thing, right? Like he did with the, 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 the apostle Paul. Have you had a situation like that? Let me turn my camera on so you can see me. I want to see your faces. Camille, I want to see your face. This, Venice, you're driving. You stay. Yes, thank you, Vicky. Mother Russell, sister Jennifer, brother Tim, Michelle, Vitaro. Have you had a situation that has gone from bad to worse? 
in the last year and you thought perhaps God is not going to deliver me? Yes, my God. No. Anybody, anybody willing to tell the truth? Anybody willing to be transparent? Anybody willing to be, you know, open? Anybody? You could just okay. raise your hand. Go ahead, Camille. Yeah, I mean, I've been through a really dark time. You know the situation. Yeah. I think it was this year or last year where I did not think it would get any better. And I could say today that it did get better, that God was listening to me. Amen. And that that's why I'm trying to share it with other people. Like, if something is going bad now, it's just temporary. It's just a phase. It's going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You just have to pray. You just have to remain faithful because it does feel really dark at times. Yeah. Whatever the situation is. And I can say from my experience that it's better. It's better for me. So I try to share the information to people to help them remember. But when you're in the moment, when you're when you're feeling down, it doesn't matter what other people are saying that they've been through it too. So what I'm saying may not even matter because people right. were telling me it was going to be better. People were going to people were telling me, you know, you'll be fine. God's got you. But I didn't believe that. But you know, whoever's in the situation, you're the only person that will be able to feel that. No matter what someone else says, you're still not going to feel better. But at least the experience from someone else that can kind of help. But that's my that's my two cents. Thank you for that, Camille. And well, and I understand because when you're in the dark place, you know, sometimes you feel all alone. Sometimes you feel like no one understands. And and like you said, others might be trying to encourage you, but they don't know what you're going through. They don't know what you're going through. And and so that's part of what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, because the Bible says, when it seems impossible for us, know that with God, nothing shall be impossible. We find that statement very clearly written in Luke chapter number one, verse 37. With God, nothing is impossible. There, there is a truth. There is a truth that occurs often in scripture. And this truth proclaims that no matter how dire the situation, know that God is able. And I want to help you to believe uh, that tonight. I want to help you to believe that God is bigger than your trouble. God is bigger than your trouble. And uh, if you would just, um, if you would just believe that, that you will have God outstretched, God's outstretched hand to you when you find yourself sinking in quicksand and that he's able to deliver you. I want to help you believe that God is bigger than your trouble. Um, all right, we read our text. Let's keep going. If we were to take a look at some of the remarkable miracles, some of the things that God did, that the Lord Jesus did, although difficult or maybe impossible for us, what I've discovered in scripture that not only is God able, we know that he's able, but the Bible tells us that he's also willing 
to do for us by his unlimited power. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, we read the following. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is working within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He is able to do, in the King James, it says exceeding abundantly above that which we are able to ask or think. So again, my question is to all of us, how is your vision for God's plan in your life going? How is your vision for God's plan in your life? Is it, is it strong? Is it bold? Is it ambitious? Is it is it for your business? Is it for your marriage? Is it for your family? Or, or is it mediocre or weak? I'm here to tell you that whatever your level of expectation, be assured that God is able to do exceedingly more than the highest vision you can ask or imagine. So I, I know of someone who began a Bible study on the internet a bunch of years ago now. I think it was like almost 20 years ago now. And this was to, to help spread God's word. He was thrilled for the first month after the website went live when, when 400 visitors total came to the website to study God's word. Back then, you know, he had no idea of what God's plan for this was. So when he got 400 visitors, he was elated. Was, in fact, he was quite surprised and pleased. But now more than 50,000 visitors goes to his website every month. And this year, 2023, he has more than 55,000 visitors each month. How? How, he asked, when this was just a harebrained idea I had 20 years ago. He says of himself, I'm just an old retired pastor and not very tech savvy and web design or anything. It was just a little rinky dink website that I put up. And then he's reminded that God is able to do exceedingly more than our natural skills can accomplish or even what we can imagine. God can take what our limited talents can conjure up our small vision and do what he desires to do in us and through us. So God's vision for us, I venture to say, is much greater than our vision for ourselves. What's my point? And more importantly, what is God's point in this verse that we read? That he is entirely capable of accomplishing things well beyond our vision. And our humble attempts to serve him uh, can seem feeble. So I want to give you some some biblical examples, some context for this pretext. Hebrews 7, verse 23. The former Old Testament priests were many in number, the, the Bible said, because they, they were prevented by death from continuing in their office. In other words, they died, so they could not continue in their priestly duties. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he will live forever. The Bible says he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him through, come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. 
In verse 25, in the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says, He is able to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through Him. When we think of our, our, our efforts, uh, no matter how wonderful they are, for example, we have worked so hard on this All Nations service over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen on Sunday one way or another. We're just going to give the service to God, right? Now, we've done our best, but I guarantee you that God will take our best, mix it with what he's got, and, 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 and just blow it up, and God will get the glory, right? It always happens this way. When we feel like we have done all that we can do, all we want to do then is to give our efforts to God and see what he can do with it. At some point, I believe that our early, earthly lives, uh, we must realize the importance for each of us to, to turn away from the things of this world, from our secular, half secular, half spiritual ways of serving God and, and believe completely in, in the Lord and what he has done on our behalf. And at that point of complete submission and, and what we like to call repentance, Jesus' name, baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we are now on the road, the Bible says, to being born again, according to John 3, 5. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, we become a son or daughter of God Almighty. Paul was quoting uh, Moses in Leviticus 19 and in Deuteronomy 22. He said, quote, of God, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me. So God is bringing us into his family. This process of salvation for us is, is God bringing us into his family and showing us how much more he is willing to do for us because God is able. The text is clear. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above that which we are able to ask or even imagine. So when we are welcomed into God's family and because uh, the Lord is not only able, but he's also willing, we can experience the fullness of his great salvation, including not just the forgiveness of our sins, which is fabulous and outstanding, but we get divine healing. The Bible says that we are healed. Our health is improved. We get deliverance from all sorts of uh, hindrances to our salvation. The Bible lifts our mental and emotional problems and gives us wholeness. That's what the Lord gives us. And a host of other blessings and benefits as we await the rapture and our eventual resurrection at his coming. Romans 4. The Apostle Paul is talking about Abraham and he quotes, He did not weaken in faith, speaking of Abraham, when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. The Bible says no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What did God promise Abraham? Yeah, when Abraham was about 75, 
In Genesis chapter number 12, God gave him a bunch of promises, seven promises. I'm going to make I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless them that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And number five, in through you, through your seed, all the families of the world will be blessed. So Abraham was like, yeah, I like that. But I'm 75. I, what you going to do with me? Well, childless Abraham. 70, 75 and and barren sarah 65 god promised them a son who would be as you know isaac that promise was not fulfilled for another 25 years so abraham is now 100 years old now i now this sounds incredulous to many of you and impossible even sarah is 90 so when Isaac was born, this was an undeniable miracle. The Bible says Abraham had not wavered into unbelief concerning God's promise. Yes, Sarah laughed, but the promise wasn't given to Sarah. It was given to Abraham. And the Bible says, rather, Abraham grew strong in faith. How could he do that as he and Sarah grew, grew older? How could they hold on to their faith when they, they grew older every year? The Bible says Abraham remained fully convinced that God was going to do what he had promised. So that's what I want to give to you tonight. I want you to know that God is not only able, he's willing. He's willing. Let me ask you one other question. Do you have a promise from God in your heart? Something God spoken to you either from a great preaching session of his word or maybe while you were studying his, his word uh, or maybe you were in your prayer closet and, and really devoted in, in prayer and, and sort of committed to your prayer. Somehow God spoke to your heart and confirmed to you by the inner witness of your his spirit to your spirit that he was going to do a work in your life. But it hasn't happened yet. And you're sometimes getting a little antsy and you're saying, so what's going on, Lord? It's been a minute. When you get to that point, I want you to remember Abraham and Sarah. I want you to remember that it was 25 years in the making Old Abe is is a hundred. Sarah is ninety. The Bible says her womb was past giving life. Right. So I'm going to urge you to continue to believe in His faithfulness to you and His limitless ability to do what the Bible says immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine. He can do immeasurably more than what we can ask or even imagine. And I can imagine a lot. But when you've gotten to that point, I want you to know that God can even do more. God can do more. Uh, there is another story in Matthew chapter number nine, around verse 28. The Bible tells us that there were two blind men. They were following Jesus when they have, when they saw all the miracles that he did. And they were crying aloud, the Bible says in verse 28. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. 
And then when he had gone indoors to these two blind men, when they invited him in, he said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this thing that you're asking me to do? Do you, you believe that I'm able to heal your blind eyes? They replied, yes, Lord. Enthusiastically, it would appear. The Bible says that he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. The Bible tells us in verse 30, and their sight was restored. Uh, these two men were blind, even today, right now, uh, through the through medical science. Right, um, there are there are there are illnesses and blindness illnesses too that uh, no medical training and no medical science have been able to find a cure for. But Jesus was able to simply touch the eyes of these, and the Bible says that His divine power over creation including over all diseases, caused those blind men to be healed. I want to let you know that he's still doing that kind of stuff. Do you have a physical ailment in your body? Maybe it is your eyes. Maybe, Sister Simmons, it's, it's, it's something in your husband's stomach. Maybe for uh, our sister that Venice prayed for earlier, it's a growth in your stomach. And you desperately need a touch from God. Remember, his only question was, do you believe that I'm able to do this? So I'm asking you, do you believe that God is able to do this thing? I know you've prayed for it. I know you've prayed. I know because you're a, you're a Christian, you're a Bible-believing person, and you believe what the Bible says. But not only is God able, I want you to know that he's willing. Jesus he healed those blind men, uh, their blindness instantly. And the Bible says the reason or how it happened was according to their faith. So then the question is, how is your faith? And how did they show him their faith in their response? They said, yes, Lord, I believe that you're able to do this thing. So I'm asking you to believe that God is able to heal whatever condition you're faced with. If we believe in Jesus's healing abilities today, we too can experience divine healing. When you call upon him, Jesus, thou son of David, have, have mercy on me. And he turns around and he says, do you believe what you're asking me to do, that I can do it? You only have one answer. Yes, Lord, I believe that you're able. And the Bible tells me, if the Bible is true, and I know it is, that not only is he able, he's willing to heal you. Mark 1.41 tells us that he's willing to heal you. Let's go to another verse, Hebrews 11, verse 19 out of the ESV. The Bible says, he considered that God was able to even raise him up from the dead. Speaking once again of Abraham, who had committed in his heart to kill or sacrifice his son Isaac to God, to give him back to God. The biblical story of Abraham being willing to give up his, his only son, let's call it that way, Isaac back to God as a sacrifice. It's, it's, it's a touching story and inspiring. So I'm not sure if many of you would do that. 
if the Lord asked you for your your one and only son, you said, yeah, Lord, you can have him. It is especially meaningful to us. Even uh, the Bible says that if even if Isaac were to be killed, if he had completed the physical sacrifice and had stabbed Isaac, the Bible says Abraham steadfastly believed that God was able to raise him up from the dead. And this scenario, of course, was prophetically symbolic of what the Father did on our behalf by sending Jesus here, who would come to earth. He went to the cross willingly to die for our sins. He was buried. But the Bible says on the third day, the Holy Spirit raised him up from that grave. And Jesus returned victoriously to heaven. Now, we can take great hope from Christ's words when he says, because I live, you shall live also. And so I would like to tell you that in the same way that Abraham believed that Isaac would, 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 would live, even if the angel hadn't stopped his hand, but that even if he had continued and had sacrificed Isaac on the altar, he believed that God would raise him up. Now, I want you to have that kind of a belief in your heart, that, that steadfast, unwavering, no-nonsense, I-believe-God kind of thing, right? Now, Jesus' resurrection from the grave foreshadows the resurrection, our resurrection, the resurrection of his faithful saints. God was able to raise Jesus from the dead. Now, we ought not to fear dead, uh, fear death rather, like like the unbelievers. The Bible tells us this very clearly in 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 First Thessalonians chapter number four. We ought not to sorrow as those who have no hope when we go to a funeral, because if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. He, even so will he bring with him us who die in faith, believing. That's what the Bible says. So if you die believing in Jesus Christ, guess what? You shall live again. The Bible, just like Jesus raised, was raised from the dead, you too will be raised. Hallelujah. From the, hallelujah. From the dead. So I, I invite you to enjoy his divine presence here on earth and ultimately in heaven. When you die, the Bible says you sleep. And then when the Lord is ready for you, he will call you from that sleep and we will reign with him forever. Let me read you another story from the book of Daniel, chapter number three, referring to the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. Um, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, who had required of them to bow down and worship the golden statue that he had made of himself. The Bible says, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, if we are thrown into the blazing fiery furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. 
So these young guys, I call them young guys because the Bible does refer to them as youth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were refusing to worship the image of Babylon's king, Nebuchadnezzar. The king was furious and threatened to throw them in a furnace unless they would worship his statue. But their faith in God, their belief in their God, speaks loudly to us even today. They said, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And then they added, if he choose not to, we're not going to worship your image anyway. And you know the rest of the story. This enraged the king. He threw them in the furnace. But the Bible says, but when he looked in the furnace, he was astonished and cried out, look, I see not three, but four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. I'm glad he knew what the son of God looked like. So I ask you again, are you facing a, a fiery furnace of your own, a trial in your life? If you are, I want you to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Remember these three youth, these three faith-filled guys when they said, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And if he doesn't, we are still not going to bow to your idol. And that's the kind of resolve that we should have going into our service of God, that regardless of what happens to my physical body, I commit my soul, I commit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to serve God to the very last. I have another text, 2 Timothy 1, 11 and 12. And this gospel Paul is writing, and, and of this gospel I was appointed, he says, a herald and an apostle and a teacher. He's talking to Timothy. That is why, I, that is why I'm suffering as I am, he says. He said, but this is no cause for shame because I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded, I'm convinced that he's able to keep that which I have entrusted to him against that day. In other words, God's able to guard what you have entrusted to him. Your life, your, your career, your, your family, your service to him, your spiritual walk, whatever it may be. If you surrender yourself, body, soul, and spirit to God and to his will for your life, in so doing, you'll find the ultimate fulfillment and the greatest security in God. We are never more secure than being directly and fully surrendered to the Lord's will and his plan for our lives. His plan, uh, David says in the Psalms, is better than our plan. He, he thinks nothing but good stuff for us. The writer of the book of uh, uh, Jeremiah says, my thoughts for you are good, good thoughts. Amen. Amen. And then in Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Have you been tempted to the point where you just have to like turn to the Lord and said, Lord, if you don't rescue me now, I'm, I'm in trouble. I've had those days. And the Lord will always 
come to your rescue. Sometimes he, he lingers a little bit. But just like Abraham and Sarah, hang in there and believe God and watch God come through for you. When you are tempted, you must resist. You must resist like the Bible says Jesus did. Temptation alone is not a sin, remember. It's how we respond to the temptation that matters greatly. Even Jesus was himself tempted. The Bible says, in every way possible. Just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Hebrews 4.15. So when we are tempted in, in, in our special way, let me call it that. The way that you normally fall. The Bible says we must resist and we will get the victory. Resist. And we will get the victory. Resist it. Resist it. Fight it. Turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. The, the Apostle James describes the process of temptation that leads to sin. He says, quote, each person is tempted when they are dragged away from their own, by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. James 1, 14 and 15. So when a, when a temptation first hits you, don't dwell on it. Don't let it be conceived in your mind. My, my tactic is I, I try to quickly dismiss it from my thoughts and turn to the Lord for help uh, in order to overcome this. The scripture says that our Lord, who himself was tempted but always victorious, is able to help those who are being tempted. And I know that Jesus will give us the grace to resist the temptation and overcome it. Let me, let me caution you one more time. Don't try to fight temptation with willpower. Don't. Fight it with Jesus' power. Whenever you are not always able, he is able. He will help you to victory. Remember what Jude 24, 25 says, now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling. Our high priest, he is standing in between judgment for us. And he's able to prevent us from falling into the pit. He's able to keep us from making mistakes. He's able to keep us from falling victim to temptation. God is fully willing and able to keep you from falling. You don't have to be a casualty to repetitive sin or, or God forbid, a serious backsliding from your commitment to God. He's able to keep you from falling. Not only that, God is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and filthiness of the flesh, the Bible says, and wash you clean by his blood, which was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. Freely and entirely by the merits of what Jesus has done for us, we can have the great hope of meeting God face to face one day, completely faultless, hiding behind Jesus's sacrifice, Jesus's righteousness. 
So we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. I want you to get that. We are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not that we in ourselves ourselves are righteous, no. But because he is and we are trusting in him, we appropriate, here's a nice word for you, we appropriate his righteousness onto ourselves. And if I take you back to Ephesians 3, where the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, finally, um, let me close with the scripture we started with. We've looked at some of the things that God is able to do. We've looked at salvation. We've looked at his healings, his miracles, his deliverance, his answered prayers, his, his ability to keep us safe, guarding what we entrust to him, keeping us from falling, giving us an immortal body at the resurrection and much more. These things are wonderful, yet please remember that as awesome as these blessings are, watch this, the Bible says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. So don't limit God. He who created the heavens and the earth with a simple spoken word can speak into your life divine blessings beyond your imagination. The Bible says beyond what you're able to ask or think and I know some of y'all could ask a lot. Me too. Or think a lot. The Bible says God is able to do even more than that. One last verse, Psalm 35, 27. And this is actually a verse that was hidden in the scripture. You have to go dig it out. Watch this. The God who we serve, the one who we serve, he delights in the well-being of his servants. Did you hear that? God wants you to be okay. And he delights in you being well. He delights in your well-being more than you can even ask or imagine. Psalms 35, 27. I'm going to end it there. I, I hope you picked up something. I hope you got a little, a little nugget of something. I pray that the Lord will take this word you know, sometimes we, we preach on faith and we, we, we don't really believe as much as we should. But I'm encouraging you to do so. I'm encouraging you to allow your faith to grow. Uh, the Bible says that when he healed, uh, not just those two blind men and many others, he says, according to your faith, according to your faith, you have been made whole. The man with the withered hand that he asked him to stretch it out. According to your faith, you have been made whole. The guy that was laying at the gate, beautiful Peter and John walking by, they said, you've been made whole by your faith. So if you, if you have a, an ask of God tonight, let it be, Lord, strengthen my faith. Let me believe beyond measure. Let me believe in a way that is bold and beautiful and broad and expansive. Use all the adjectives you can think about. Ask God to enlarge your faith, enlarge your coast. Ask him to give you more than you ask or think and can think of. Because that's his promise in the word. 
now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and power and dominion and majesty both now and forever. And let everybody say amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.